In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Let me ask, what is the song that you sing with your life? And have you been able to really sing that song? And what's it sound like? Today we observe the Feast of St. Mary the Virgin, if you haven't already noticed. The feast also referred to as the Assumption of Mary, noting the tradition that Mary was gathered or taken, as today's Kalalik says, taken up to heaven in some remarkable, special, distinctive uh, way, marking her unique place in our history. Now there's no word about physics or logistics uh, that we have access to, but, but only a few other biblical characters had this happen to them. Um, it's a mark of how special she is in our history. And this day is by no means the only time in the church year when we focus on Mary. Feasts that honor her from various traditions include January 1, Mother, the Holy Mother of God. February 2, the Feast of Presentation. March 25th, the Feast of the Annunciation. May 31st, the Visitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Monday after Pentecost, the Feast of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Nine days after Corpus Christi, the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary. August 15th, this feast we celebrate today. August 22nd, the Queenship of Mary. September 8th, the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, Our Lady of Rosary, November 21st. The Feast of the Presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, December 8th. And of course, Christmas, the Feast of the Nativity. Now I'm probably missing some. Add to that the Feast for Mary from all over the world, Our Lady of Lourdes, of Fatima, of Mount Carmel, the dedication of the Basilica of Santa Maria Maggiore, Our Lady of Loreto, Our Lady of Guadalupe, there is something about Mary. Now, not all of these feasts are observed in Episcopal churches, folks raised in the Roman Catholic tradition, which includes many Episcopalians, may recognize them. Together, here's the point. They create a picture of Mary as singularly holy, set apart, They can paint a portrait of someone above us all, kind of out of our spiritual league, which is why the gospel chosen for this feast day is so interesting to me, a gospel that you hear in word and song, several times in song, thanks be to God. On this feast day focused on how Mary's life on earth ended, here's the interesting part. We read a story from her earliest days from one of the first times that we meet her. And it's the story of that song that she sings, the Magnificat. When it sinks in, when she grasps the news that she will be God-bearer, the mother of Jesus. And if your impression of Mary is Mary meek and mild, otherworldly, detached, notice how in this song she seems very much in in touch with the brokenness of our world. She celebrates in this song the way God comes to address that brokenness, bringing healing and reversal of power structures. She magnifies the Lord for the justice the Lord will bring, for the way God is going to defend the poor, fighting for those against, fighting for them against proud and arrogant forces. It's a song of praise to a God who regards the lowliness of servants. 
but also it's something of a fight song. God showing strength in scattering the proud, bringing down the powerful, lifting the lowly, filling the hungry with good things, sending the rich away empty, remembering promises made when many people had, had felt forgotten. Mary praises God who will bring loving, life-giving, liberating power in the person of Jesus to a world marked by pain, pain which she will come to know well herself. I have two friends, they're both college professors and they had a nine-year-old daughter and they decided to go on a tour of Italy. Now this kid was as smart as they come Lots of brain power in that family, and they spent most of the time in Italy going to look at museums and churches. That would not have worked with my nine-year-old. After a number of visits, they asked this young girl what her impressions were. And she said, she actually asked a question. They'd seen a lot of portraits of Mary. She said, why is Mary never smiling? It was an interesting observation. It made me think about what the prophet Simeon told Mary about her future. Simeon warned Mary, a sword is going to go through your heart. And we see that fulfilled as she is one of the few disciples who actually remain at the foot of the cross till the bitter end. So as we focus on Mary this morning, entering into one of her many feasts, what does it mean to honor her really? What does she show us about being part of the Jesus movement? Her song has guided people over the centuries in paths of holy engagement with the world. Others have heard her song, have picked up the tune, are finding ways to sing it for themselves, and as she prayed in that song, for their generations. So in thinking and, taking and, and praying about this sermon and about today's feast, I noticed some of the other feasts we had just this week. It may be coincidence, maybe not, but they point across the centuries to ways that Mary modeled discipleship, the ways her song has been heard and sung. Last Wednesday, we observed the feast of Lawrence, who was a deacon in Rome in the third century at a time when the church was persecuted and the empire was grabbing all the church's money. So he was brought before authorities and he was asked to surrender the church's funds and just before he was put to death, Lawrence defiantly assembled the sick and the poor of that city to whom the relief of the church had been given and he said to the government representative, he said, these are the treasures of the church. He was singing Mary's song. Next day, on Thursday of this week, we observe the feast of Claire, a woman from a wealthy Italian family who in the 13th century was taken with the way St. Francis of Assisi lived out his faith. So she met him and she asked to join his order. And upon entry, she placed all her expensive jewelry, uh, uh, apparently there was a lot of it, uh, her expensive jewelry and fancy robes on the altar. She committed to that life of service and poverty. On her deathbed, she said, go forth without fear, for he that created you has sanctified you, has always protected you, and loves you as a mother. She and St. Francis sang Mary's song. 
This past Friday, we observed the Feast of Florence Nightingale. I don't know if you knew she was a saint of our church. She is. In the 19th century, she was animated by a spirit of service as a young girl like Mary. She heard a call. She heard a call to be a nurse. Her family thought she was nuts. They thought she should just marry rich. Her call led her to take 38 nurses with her volunteering for duty in the Crimean War beginning a lifetime back in England of commitment to healing. And that healing ministry was singing Mary's song. And on this day, actually, August 14th, we observe the feast of Jonathan Merrick Daniels. The feast of St. Mary the Virgin really is tomorrow, but rectors and vicars are allowed to move things around like that. So that's why we're celebrating it on this Sunday. And uh, the feast of Jonathan Merrick Daniels uh, would probably not be celebrated when it falls on a Sunday, but it's worth noting, it's August 14th. This was a young man from New England who in the 1960s felt called to leave his Boston seminary to work for civil rights in the Deep South, where he was in short order murdered. His conviction to do this work, to leave that safe haven, was shaped in part when he had attended an Episcopal service of evening prayer during which he heard the Magnificat. He heard in that service Mary's words. He hath put down the mighty from their seat and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things. Jonathan Daniel said upon hearing that song, he said, I knew I must go to Selma. The virgin's song was to grow more and more dear to me in the weeks ahead. All of these folks over the centuries, it's a great cloud of witnesses, heard the virgin song or the truth behind that song and that gospel, that good news animated their service in the world, even if sometimes a sword went through their hearts. It's a song that points to the loving power of our gracious God, proclaiming the greatness of the Lord as stated today, magnifying the Lord. Think about that word, magnify. And it is not to magnify Mary or Lawrence or Claire or Florence or Jonathan or you or me, but rather to magnify the God we worship in word and action to point to amazing grace, God's fierce, loving activity on behalf of those in greatest need, God's heart for those who suffer, God's ear attentive to that suffering, Today, we celebrate Mary by remembering the song she sang, not only with her lips, but with her life. She said yes to God's call to her. I, I recalled a sermon that I heard a number of years. I can hardly remember last week's sermon, but this is 20 years ago, and I remember this sermon about Mary's call, and it wondered whether the angel Gabriel had to go house to house to house until she found somebody willing to say yes. She said yes to God's call to her, and into the world she brought the light that is life. And here's the deal. Her song invites us to do the same, to magnify the Lord not only with our lips but with our lives, to say yes to God's particular call to us. It will be different for each of us, to bring that life, that healing presence into the world. So I'm wondering, as I began, how Mary's song sounds to you this morning. Where are you seeing the needs of the world? 
Where do you long for God's activity to break in? How will you say yes to that activity? How can you sing Mary's song with your lips and with your life? Let it be your song. Put your own spin on it. Set it to your own rhythm. That will be a grand way to celebrate this feast, a grand way to magnify the Lord. Amen.